Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we, of course, have to recap the, uh, recap the brutal and no good Wisconsin-Notre Dame contest. Normally, when we do our episodes, um, Matt and I usually have some sort of little outline that we work off of or questions or topics that we want to hit on today. We're just kind of winging it. We're just going to we, – we know that we're talking off air. We said there's plenty of things we got to get to. We're just going to um, talk about all things Notre Dame, get it out in the open, hopefully – get rid of it and, and purge it from our system because it's been uh it was a rough a rough Saturday for a lot of us Badger fans uh you know if you were down there and made the trip hopefully you enjoyed the first three quarters and if <laughs> and uh hopefully forgot about that fourth quarter but yeah what a what a trip that game was but we'll get into all things in regards to that and I think in terms of everything going on that's really about it no major news anything like that so well, uh, why don't we let you, Matt, um, you go ahead and you're on the tee box first. So where do you want to start this uh, this glorious recap of that Notre Dame-Wisconsin fiasco? Yeah, man. Uh, thank God for the Brewers and Packers yesterday yes. to just kind of pick <laughs> up Wisconsin sports and put them on their back because that Saturday collapsed the, the game. Uh, I had a blast in Chicago with some friends. It was down there. Um, and, and really it was a really cool environment, but man, that was ugly at the end of the game. Um, so instead of talking about the bad stuff, which we're going to get to, right? Like it was officially the bad place in fourth quarter. Um, but I think let's start with the good stuff. And I think that defense, man, they, they deserved to be three and oh at this point. Like this defense has played so good and has proven that they are, you know, they're a Big Ten championship-type defense. Like, they have all the makings of being able to do it. I was so impressed by the Wisconsin secondary, and I know that they gave up some yards. They gave up some points. um, They gave up two touchdown passes. But you look at it, this team was just behind the eight ball because of turnovers all day long, and they still – racked up six sacks. That defensive line was amazing. 
And and Fayon Hicks, man, he played so well at, at uh, cornerback. And it was just a shame to then just look at the box score and see 41 to 13 at the end. Yeah, that that part has really got to be disheartening. And I know, you know, you played football. I played football in high school. You're with your teammates no matter what. And I'm not saying the defense is, is any different than that. I'm, they, they, I'm sure they all have each other's back. But I, I can't imagine you could sit there and just be like, man, you know, we – we put that effort out there and still got just the score. You look at the scoreboard at the end and not even remotely close. Of course, you know, the three of the scores are special, special teams blunder, two pick sixes should have been a much closer game, but it's got to be just disheartening to, to play and dominate the way they did. I mean, like you said, the defensive line was phenomenal. Van Hicks played probably the best game I've ever seen him play. Um, really held up well in uh, in a ruckus environment. You know, Notre Dame travels really well, so it was very loud in that stadium. I think they just – it's got to just be disheartening, and you're all about the team, but, man, it's just like how can you how can you bounce back from that and continue – I mean, you have to play – if you're the Wisconsin defense, you have to play perfect every possession, and even then. I mean, they played as close to perfect as you can get, and even then it, it wasn't enough. So it's got to be a, a frustrating time, but kudos to those guys. I mean – I mean, Benton, Herbig, every, everybody on the defense, really. I, I can't think of a moment. Like, yeah, like you said, they gave up some plays. But I can't really think of a moment where I thought, man, you know, somebody missed something. It, it was a mistake. I really think they played really well. And like you said, they, they deserve a lot better. This team is – I think you could take – just take Ohio State's offense and Wisconsin's defense, combine them together, and that team would be an incredibly fun one to watch. But it's just right now – um, the other side of the ball is just – it's really hampering this team. And I don't want to swing it to the negative because the, the defense does deserve a ton of positive kudos, but uh, that's, it's certainly a frustrating one. Yeah, I mean, this is a one – like, this is a one-third football team at this <laughs> point. Like, straight up one-third in, – in, I know I'm being hard on special teams. There was some good on special teams that we're going to get to as well because that's another positive. There was There was parts of special teams that I thought did really good. Um, but this is still a one-third team right now. You have one unit on this team, the defense, that is phenomenal. Leo Chanel, man, he came out mm-hmm. there, eight tackles, a uh, forced fumble. Like, or I guess he was credited with forced fumble. Rodas Johnson was for- credited with forced fumble. Like, this was a team that just was after the quarterback. Six sacks. Like, they were constantly getting pressure back there. Scott Nelson, if you want to pinpoint one thing, he probably had a pick six if he mm-hmm. if he caught that ball yep. early in the first quarter. But you look at this, and anything against this defense right now, you're just nitpicking. Um, they went ahead, and the only scores that Notre Dame had that didn't come off special teams and interceptions was three points. Three flipping points that this defense would have given up. And really one of those touchdowns off of – um, one of the turnovers was was a maybe phantom catch by Notre Dame, right? Like that that wasn't a catch a few years ago in the NFL. Um, I can tell you that with the Des Bryant catch. But man, at, at this point, like Jim Leonard, you got to just hope you can keep that guy because man, oh man, this defense is looking great. Yeah, they they are looking phenom- phenomenal. I mean the the stats. The tweet that I saw today was, you know, points off turnover margin through week four, Wisconsin negative 28 in terms of points. So whenever this defense is giving up points, it's because the offense is, is usually putting them in a position where they're trying their best to not break. But you you can't expect a unit to play a perfect game of football each time out. And, and right now the defense has to. I mean, to have that, that 
points off turnover margins um, company. You know, when you're in a list with UConn, Florida State, Akron, Vandy, Rice, you, it's, an, it's not a place you want to be. So unfortunately for this defense, they're they're doing all they can, and, and it's just when they do give it up, it's it's really. I mean, sure that first game they give up some big plays, and that's weeks away and or you know down the road um, from where they were from Penn State. But today, I mean, they just came out and showed or this weekend they came out and showed just how dominating of a unit they can be, and, and hopefully it continues that way because, you know, the, the line was dominant. The six sacks were great. Credit to Kyron Williams of Notre Dame. If he didn't, if he wasn't a phenomenal pass blocker, I think Wisconsin could have gotten a ton more sacks. It could have been 10. Yeah, it could have been double it could have been I mean, 10. He was picking up block after block just, and, and really it looked like Wisconsin was going to get their home for another one, and he just, picked up a late chip and, and Cone or Pine and either guy was getting out of there and getting rid of but but without him, I think this this defense could have racked up a, a ton more. So it, it's frustrating. Um, but kudos to those guys. They played their butts off and, and deserve all the credit in the world as we try to start this thing uh, on a positive note. Yeah, I mean, the end result, though, is that the Badgers lost the game, gave up 41 points, and they – he only surrendered three net rushing yards, right? Like, that's that's just crazy to think of. And, and one of the reasons was special teams. So I think now is, like, I, I think we've got the good stuff out of the way with the uh, with the defense. <laughs> um, but I think that there is some pieces special teams-wise. I'll tell you what, a guy that we've both been hard on, and, and I'll eat crow at least at this point, and it's early in the season, it's three games. But I'll tell you what, Colin Larsh has played really well this year. He really has. He has kicked the ball well. He's 5 of 7 on, on field goals, um, one of which was blocked, which really sucked in that Penn State game because that really came back to haunt them. But his only other miss was that 52-yarder that, like, he was dead on arrival on that one. Like, mm-hmm. that's not his game. Like, he's an inside 50 guy, um, and but he was money on his attempts. He's punt, or He's kicked really good. And then Andy Vujinovich, I thought he struck the ball really well. He's averaging 50 yards a punt this year almost. Like, that has been something that has been so nice to see. Um, but it's still one of those things where, hey, you've got the kicking games figured out, and then you have complete meltdowns in kickoff coverage and can't field a punt. Like, oh, it is so frustrating to, to watch Wisconsin special teams at times. And that definitely was a big part of this game. And really, the air sucked out of the stadium when Tyree um, – took that to the house. Like, it was completely shifted everything. Yeah, I, I felt really good after, you know, of course, Wisconsin takes the lead. I went to the bathroom, and all of a sudden, you know, you're in the bathroom, you just hear that roar of a cheer, and you're like, uh-oh, that sounded pretty loud, which means – because Wisconsin traveled well, but we were, they were definitely outnumbered in that one, and then you just hope that, like, okay, something bad happened. I can tell, and then you go in there and you see the replay going, and you're just like, oh, my God, not again, this team – you can't leave. You can't go to the bathroom when Wisconsin's on special teams because it it ends up turning into a disaster. But yeah, that part's really frustrating because this isn't anything new. I mean, we've talked about um, poor special teams time and time again with just mistakes and really just I, I don't get how it's it's been so bad for so long. I mean, that's one thing that's been pretty consistent in, in Paul Chris' tenure, and of course, it doesn't fall on him, but he's the head coach, and you got to have some of that buttoned up I mean the, the special teams has just never really been good even when um, you know even in, in the punt returns and stuff like that there was one year you know Nick Nelson was pretty good back there other times it's really not 
been good. You just hope you just hold your breath that it doesn't come back and bite you in some sort of negative way. And it almost did, you know, with with running into each other, trying to field punts, fair catching on, you know, inside the 20 on kick returns, all sorts of stuff just was was really frustrating. The kick coverage, obviously, that like you said, that blew the game open. Um, really took the wind out of a ton of momentum that Wisconsin had came out the second half, really built up some momentum, and then right there just pulled the rug out from under it and, and really shifted the game because they were battling back to get into that game. And, and to allow that on a, on a flip is just uh, extremely frustrating. You know, you talk about – you did mention the, the, the large kicking game is, has been a lot better. The 52-yarder, I think, was more of an indictment on – on the coaching staffs, like you said, dead on arrival, sending him out there, which is kind of waving the white flag, saying you know, maybe he runs into one and knocks in a 52-yarder, but I'm not going to sit here and, and hold my breath. So that one is, is certainly a head-scratcher. So kudos to him. But, yeah, overall, this special teams unit is, is just another phase of Wisconsin football that isn't doing what it needs to do to, to win a game. And there's really no excuse for, for having collectively poor special teams, you know, year in and year out. Like I said, this if it was a one-time thing, Wisconsin gets beat, beats on their on their kick coverage, fine, but it's just always inconsistencies in in those phases that rear its ugly head. And it was that type of game where there's just there's not enough possessions, there's not enough points to be giving up um, big explosive plays like that. Unfortunately for Wisconsin, and it, it happened once again. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up that it was too big of a game for that type of stuff to happen because I went back and I watched and saw who was on the kickoff return or that kick coverage. And and I'll say this, that Notre Dame did a good job of setting that up, right? Like they had the right return set up there and they built the wall and absolutely took it to the defense. But I was looking at it. Guess how many starters are on that kickoff coverage team? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I wouldn't guess a ton. Um, I would I would probably say I'm trying to think. I don't know. How many do we got on there? So. I, I will give the Badgers two. Okay. On there, so you've got you've got John Chanel, and then you have um, Dean Ingram, who he's your nickel guy. I'll give that a starter. You have two freshmen, and then you have a, a couple guys who play offense, and a, and then a, a kind of a smattering of different players. I I I keep I think I brought this up on an earlier episode in the off season that. One of the things that I continue to think in the biggest games is for a team where you don't necessarily bring in five stars on five stars on four stars on four stars, but you do have a high level of talent at your starters. You need to run with your best players as much as you can. You look at Jahan Dotson was returning punts for Penn State, and he was maybe the best receiver um, not on an Ohio State roster in the Big Ten. You've got Kyron Williams returning punts for Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and he's maybe their best offensive player that they have. Why doesn't Wisconsin do that? Like, why aren't we seeing um, Leo Chanel out there on kickoff return? Like, why aren't we seeing that in the biggest games? I get it, Eastern Michigan, and I also get that you want to have guys like Hunter Wolf getting playing time, and you want guys um, seeing the field and, and learning. But at the same time, man, oh, man, in the biggest games when – one player can make such a huge difference. If they have five, six starters there, I don't think that kickoff has gone to the house. Like, I just don't. Um, if, if I also think if they have Danny Davis back there returning punts, they don't have nearly the issues that they do. Or Kendrick Pryor, who's your second fastest guy on your team, put your best players out there. 
I know injuries happen, but they happen for other teams too, and they put their best players out there in the biggest games. That's something Wisconsin's got to start doing in my eyes if they ever want to change what they're doing on special teams because it's just like that was just frustrating. When I went back and saw it, you you do get to see that there is a lot of young players that get completely washed away um, and opens up a huge lane. And so that there's other reasons um, for that, and it's not, that didn't lose them the game all in itself, that, that kickoff return. But it is something to where – You've got an offense that's struggling, and I know we're going to talk about that. And you have a punt return where you have players who are totally scared to go up and just catch the ball. Like, I don't know what Jack Dunn was doing there, but or, or maybe it was the sun was getting in their eyes, but you got to just go up and catch the ball. And that's something that you see Jim Leonard on the sidelines just freaking out when he sees that as a guy who is a good punt returner. Put your best guy back there. It, it, Danny Davis – He's your best guy, and, and you see him do it in the practice. We've seen him do it in the past. Put your best, best guys on the field, and let's see what they can do. Instead of continuing to try to put, put in there walk-ons who have no business being your punt returner, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, you look at right now, this team needs any sort of spark, any sort of explosive play, whether it be on special teams. So get the ball in. And the guys that you, you, I mean, Danny Davis, he had five catches in that game. I honestly don't remember five catches in that one. Maybe they were all late. four in the fourth quarter. Okay, I was going to say, all I, four of them. I, was, I thought he was completely not a knock on him. There just was no passing game whatsoever. And he's a guy that you want the ball in his hands as many opportunities as you can. Was a guy that used to return punts and now all of a sudden isn't back there. I know he's had, like you said, injuries happen. I know he's had a guy that has, you know, injuries popped up more often than not um, with him, and he's been banged up throughout his career. But, yeah, that's a chance to get the ball in somebody's hands that uh, can can make a difference for you. So I totally agree with you on that one. That part is frustrating. I think you bring up a great point on the kick coverage. Um, you know, you can't have – if they're not ready to be out there and it's not going to – you know, they're not going to get that covered, that's, uh, you know, a mistake. In some games, fine. Eastern Michigan going to throw it out there, fine. But, yeah, you can't have it on that contest because we've seen Wisconsin now – um, not winning these big games, which is games that uh, this football program could could have won and, and should have won if they clean up uh, some of those mistakes. So certainly a, a frustrating second phase of the game when you're talking right now. You know, this team is a, a one one phase playing well type of team, and, and you really need three team you, you need all three phases playing well um, to stay in a game. And, and right now, Wisconsin is is just nowhere close on those other two. All right. Want to get to the offense? You man. want to get to this now? All right. Bust out a pack of uh, cigarettes and talk about this. Yeah, this this part of the team. Let's do it. So yeah, the Wisconsin offense really. I it's it's hard to say. I guess I don't know which way we want to broach it because I do think the entire offense needs to take some onus of of a poor performance. I think the coaching staff, the play calling. I don't think anything of of it was good. But at the end of the day, I mean for for all that, you know, I personally have, have been a Graham Merch defender all offseason. I said I think it'll be better. I think the situation has improved. Now that's all out the window. I mean, you despite the struggles at other places, the offensive line struggled a little bit. The play calling was relatively bland and boring and predictable. But I think you got to start with the quarterback. Quarterback's got to be better. You can't throw that many picks. You can't have every time you drop back, you know, you're worried about um, – you know, worried about a turnover, and it's starting to feel like, you know, I watched Nebraska and Adrian Martinez, and somehow that kid finds a way 
to turn the ball over in the the most um, terrible spots and terrible opportunities. It's starting to feel a lot of parallels between Grant Mertz and Adrian Martinez. And in Adrian Martinez's defense, he still at least makes some explosive plays. We haven't seen a ton of quality, high, you know, explosive plays from Graham Mertz since that Illinois game, and that feels like a long, long time ago. So this offense was was not good, but I think eventually you got to just say, you know what, the onus falls on the quarterback needing to play better, and so far he has not. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I. People are going to point to a lot of different facets because a lot of different facets sucked on Saturday, right? Like there wasn't a lot of things that went incredibly right for this offense. The offensive line struggled at times. They still are doing that stupid turnstile where they're bringing in a bunch of different guys and changing bodies, which I think is stupid. I don't like it whatsoever. Find your five. And like we said, even if you just want to tighten it down to six or seven, fine, go for it. Um, Because you feel like you've got two other guys who can rotate in. But I don't like the hockey lines. Wide receivers, I thought overall, they they. I thought Jack Dunn got a lot of snaps. I'll say that for the wide receivers, um, and play calling was not great. But it doesn't take away from the fact that Graham Mertz needs to be better. And I I honestly think that it's getting to be um, to the point where it's kind of chicken the egg. The offensive line um, struggles, but it's also partly because you take a picture of of the front that Notre Dame's bringing, and they've got eight in the box. Like, at this point, Graham Mertz hasn't shown that he can complete the forward pass, so the teams are daring the Badgers to do it, which makes it really hard for running backs to be able to run. I thought Ches Moussi ran really hard, to be perfectly honest. He had a couple nice plays. You saw him on that um, that pitch pass where he actually looked really good in the open field, but there's, there, the running lanes weren't there because – Notre Dame was able to put eight in the box and say, hey, hey, good luck. And Graham Mertz just continues to make four plays. I, at this point, a lot of the, the turnovers, there's one person who's in on all of them. It's Graham Mertz, whether it's fumbles, whether it's been interceptions. And it's got to change. And the issue for me is I don't like harping on a 20-year-old kid, but it's been extremely poor. Like, this has been a very poor performance by him. And it's just – crushed this offense in so many different ways and and you can see it in the body language of wide receivers Danny Davis in the in the fourth quarter there was a ball where he's wide open and it's the ball is getting thrown level two just over a linebacker and Danny Davis is like propped ready to jump because he's he's thinking he's gonna have to jump through the moon to catch this ball it it gets to him which was great but you could just tell in his body language pre-pass that he thought it was going to be off offline and and Danny Davis had two really good catches on the sideline on plays that didn't need to be as hard as they were. So it's been frustrating. I don't. I think it starts and ends with quarterback in a lot of ways, and part of the reason that that's they're in that issue is because of coaching. So I'll get to that later. But but quarterback play has just been bad. Yeah, there's there's really no other way around it. I mean, it's been it's really been poor, and and I know I if you're on Wisconsin football Twitter. It's it's not been a good time to, to be on there in Graham Mertz. Like you said, you don't want to harp on a 20-year-old kid, but eventually somebody's got to take onus of of it. And, and credit to Graham Mertz, if you want to find a little bit of silver lining, he is at least taking credit saying, you know, i got to play better. That's all great, but this is this is how many weeks that we've heard that, and now it's like, okay, we, we know that you know you got to play better, but we need to start seeing it. And then I think part of that, like you mentioned, is coaching. 
um, which we'll we'll get to in a little bit. I think you brought up <laughs> a ton of great points. There's so many things that I have written down that, that you hit on. Um, you know, the, the Jack Jack Dunn. I, I you know I, I tweeted out you know seeing Jack Dunn running in the slot. Nice kid. Came on our podcast. Phenomenal to talk to. Can you really sit there and say that if running him in the slot is is going to be something that helps your offense? I mean, there was a a, a chart or somebody tweeted out the snaps per wide receiver, and he was the second most by a pretty large margin. I mean, that part is, is frustrating because it's just I, I don't really get it. May, I don't want to sit here and pretend that I am a, a football coach and, and know more, but that one just continues to be a head-scratcher. And you brought up the offensive line as well, which was the other one. I mean, the, the hockey style, you know, line two coming out, and, and it just it doesn't make sense to me anymore. I, I – I have chatted with, with people that are former offensive linemen. We've talked to David Mormon. He said, you know, that would struggle for him to get into rhythm. I just don't get what the benefit of it is anymore because, um, yeah, maybe you got a lot of guys talented and you want to get playing, but eventually you've got to find five that can get into rhythm and win a football game. This is college football. This isn't just like, you know, little Johnny has practiced hard and play and deserves some reps. I mean, this is, this is college football at a major level, a pro stadium, and you're – continually to do it. So both of those were head scratchers. The the big onus is, of course, the, the quarterback play, but there were so many other things, like those couple things just uh, continue to make me sit there and just question what is going on here with, with this Wisconsin offense. I honestly think at this point the offense, the way it's set up, everything has been simplified to a point for Graham Mertz that mm-hmm. they can't do anything. It's like 10 plays, it seems like. I mean, it's yep. literally like run right, run left, tight end screen, you know, a, a slant, and then, like, you know, a couple other runs. That's, they took, and, a, they right? took some shots, too. Yeah. Like, they took yeah. some deep shots, so that it wasn't like they don't see that part of the game. That wasn't the issue. It's just they don't have a quarterback who can complete the pass. I mean, Kendrick Pryor was wide, or I should say, can't complete the pass when it's there or see the guy who's wide running wide open. Kendrick Pryor had a double a double move that he was no one was by him for twenty yards. Mm-hmm. Like he was there's nobody. But Graham Mertz is a one read quarterback right now. He's look, staring his guy down immediately. Um it is it is even on like that it was a sprint out to Kendrick Pryor. Pryor had it was wide open for a first down. All he had to do was throw the ball and he just waited till the last second. Didn't get it. Didn't get the first down. You, you've got Kim Ray DK, who I still will say is their probably their second best wide receiver in my eyes. I, I, I I'll take that to my grave right now, and I I could be wrong, but I, I've seen enough from that kid to know that he's extremely talented. He had one target, mm-hmm. and he had his guy by five steps, and the ball wasn't even close. Not even close. If there was just wide open guys running over the field, and it's either not being seen or they're not being um, thrown to. And it's frustrating at this point uh, um, because I, I, I really do think that the offense has just been simplified to a point um, to, to appease grammars that, there's, that they're just struggling. They can't do anything because everybody knows that it, what they're going to do. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's just really hard to watch in a lot of ways, and it makes it so that you're running the game can't, can't flow, can't get into rhythm. It makes it so your offensive line has the defense pinning their ears back and just driving at you. And then you've got wide receivers who are having to make beautiful catches 
on sidelines when it's just an easy pitch and catch. And you've got um, just just players not being able to make plays after the catch because the ball's off target. And footwork mis- mishaps from the quarterback leading to players being tricked, players, players uh, not being able to maybe do the jet sweep. I don't know why they're not doing that. But I would I would assume that the only thing that's different based off of when they've done it in the past and right now is the quarterback. Um, so I, I I don't have the answers, but I, I can tell you right now that I have a strong hunch that it's probably the quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think right now well, we've, we've seen enough to know that, you know, there's there's other phases that need improvement, but there, that that area is by far the spot that seems to be really hindering this offense. I like that you brought up the big plays because there were multiple times where um, the section that we, you know, in where we were at was mostly Wisconsin fans. You could see these pass plays develop. And, you, you know, multiple Wisconsin fans would stand up because the ball, you see the guy wide open, the ball goes, and it's like, you, you know, multiple. you could hear people screaming, got him, you've got him if you can hit him, and just nowhere close to hitting him. And you just you sit back down, and then, you know, the next drive out, there's a guy wide open, got him if you hit him. You know, that's a huge play, missing him. I mean, it's just – it's hard to believe that it's it's gotten to the point where it has where, you know – I mean, Wisconsin football, in, in terms of quarterback, they, they don't ask – it seems like, at least to me, in the past, it's not a school that has had great quarterback play by any means necessary, but they've had some good guys. They've had some, quote-unquote, game managers. I hate that term, but – they can do they're guys that can do enough to, to keep you moving the chains, pick up a third down here and there. I mean, one of what was one of fourteen on third down. I mean, that's yeah. just it's it's crazy. It's it's a quarterback position. It's just it's not working. And part of it falls back to I think the coaching. And, and one of my buddies said, you know, said to me, you know, who's the who's the quarterback coach? They need to work on him and work with him a little bit more. And I looked at him and said, it's Paul Chris. Like he, that's the, <laughs> those two work hand in hand together from I would guess most of practice all day every day. So it the, the, it not getting better there is is a direct reflection on on some of the coaching staff and, and not having him there. So it's uh it, it's a head scratcher for it for sure. And this offense just until it gets not even a little bit better. I mean they need to get strides better before I think they're going to have. You know, unless this defense starts scoring points for them, it's it's going to be really hard to win football games with where they're at right now. Yeah, yeah, and and that pass to Cundiff was a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. So it's like that was great, but you can't be uh, like one for every eight deep ball guy. Like that just doesn't fly. And um, I I think the biggest indictment right now on the coaching staff, um, if we want to kind of shift gears there, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think we've exhausted most of the other topics with this offense. Um, it's, it's for me that there's no one else that they can turn to to even say, okay, we're taking Mertz out for a, even a series to say, okay, yep, this isn't working. Let's try something new. Um, because we've seen Chase Wolf throw three picks and what, 11 attempts or, mm-hmm. or 14 attempts, something like that. It's like, you know, one out of every four throws you're throwing an interception. Um, and, and then you have Danny Vandenboom who, I mean, if he was going to see the field, he would have seen the field. Like, he's a senior. So you've got two guys who are older than your starting quarterback who are still on, on your roster and haven't transferred, which I think should tell folks a lot as well. Um, and neither are even getting a sniff of going in instead of Mertz. And then you've got a true freshman and who wasn't here in the spring, which I totally understood because he, he wanted to be able to finish out his high school year because they played spring football. 
And you look at it, and Notre Dame in this past game, they had three different quarterbacks that they would have felt fairly comfortable going with because we've seen Buckner play. He had the hamstring injury, so he didn't go in this past game. But then they had Pine, who, who came in and looked perfectly comfortable, went 6 of 8, 81, a touchdown, was sacked. Um, he didn't do anything, like, remarkable, but he did enough to get you through. And um, you know what recruiting class he was from? That would be the one I would guess he is in the class that Wisconsin did not take a quarterback, I believe. Ding, correct? ding, ding. In the 2020 <laughs> class when the Badgers said, no, we're going to put all of our eggs in Graham Mertz and not bring in another quarterback. So if, if we want to talk about what's really the, the – what I see as the biggest shortcoming of this staff is the fact that they didn't bring in a quarterback in the 2020 class or bring in two quarterbacks in this newest class or – You've got to always be taking a signal caller because you never know when the transfer portal is going to hit. And the fact that they have four quarterbacks on this roster and they don't, it doesn't seem like they have three that they feel comfortable in tells you that they messed up royally on their recruiting front in terms of quarterback recruiting to me. Um, because misses happen in, in college football at the quarterback position. There's teams all over that have had that happen to them, but you need to be able to stack recruits at, at, at a position. The Badgers brought in like 17 running backs this last year, but they couldn't bring in two quarterbacks. Like, what gives? Like, if you know that you can't trust Chase Wolf as your backup or Danny Vandenboom as your backup, if Mertz goes down, why aren't you bringing in another guy? Just why? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I, I think that right there is we can get into the vanilla play calling, but that's the biggest shortcoming for this staff in my eyes was roster management uh, of the quarterback position. Yeah, no, I, I think that's certainly a big part of it is that I think, you know, people will, will look at the play calling and say, oh, it's, it's really bland and it's really vanilla. But I'm I'm guessing that's, you know, Paul Christ has, has had some really good offenses in the past and they've had these wrinkles and they don't have it. And the only they only don't have it now. And, and I would guess that they just are not wanting to, to throw too much out there at Graham Mertz right now. And if you don't have somebody else that you feel comfortable to throw in there, like you said, then all of a sudden, you know, you're in a spot where you're really, uh, you know, up, you know, up shit's creek to, to say it because you don't have anywhere to turn, you don't have any added wrinkles of creativity, and and there's nothing you can really do. So I think you've you've seen, you know, they continue to put Graham Mertz out there, so that should show you, despite the the really terrible game that he had in that one, he was still the guy that's going out there. And and I guess sometimes you want to play through it and try to get confidence, but. At that point, with where they were, he was at in the fourth quarter, they weren't going to build on anything for him going forward other than, you know, the only thing that was going to happen was he was going to go out there and, and probably confidence get even lower because he threw two pick sixes. I mean, that part is – that's that's damning for a kid that is already struggling what it seems like confidence um, to begin with. I mean, he, he's definitely rattled. He's definitely all over the place in terms of mechanics, things like that. Um, so that part is, is a huge part of it. You don't have someone that you can go to for a series and try and slow the game down and, and sit them down and, and, and go. So I think that's a great point that, you know, at the surface when everything's, you know, right after the game, everybody's hot and emotional and, and rightfully so. That one was a really tough one um, for Badger fans to swallow. But I think the bigger picture is, is what you mentioned. You know, you can't have um, you, you, I think you personally want to have at least a quarterback every class, even if it's just a body. Um, and, and they didn't do that. They put all their eggs, like you said, in that basket. And so far it's not working out, and you're seeing what's happened. I mean, in an era where there's, there's a transfer portal, there's kids entering in there all the time, 
it wouldn't have been a bad idea to to try and either pick someone up in that recruiting circuit or you know you know go for the portal because right now it's just uh, you're seeing that they are just in a position where they're stuck. I mean, I don't you know people are saying you know are they going to ch- turn to Chase Wolf? Are they going to give him a shot? I don't really see it right now, and it's certainly based on his performance, it's probably a place that they should turn to or try somebody else, try something else. But I just don't think the staff has confidence that they can, and that is that is indicative of like you mentioned the recruiting. Um, you know, everything with that part is is a huge part of it that I think gets overlooked in the grand scheme of a very poor performance. Yeah, now I like we talked about it in the in the off season, and I, I didn't think it would get to this level because we both thought that Grammers would make strides, right? Especially under Chris, like you mm-hmm. would think that he makes strides, and that's not because Chris is some you know quarterback whisperer or anything like that. Like people have have given him. Um, that nickname, um, you know, seemingly probably shouldn't have. But at this point, like, we went into the year knowing, hey, this room is kind of thin because they didn't bring in a quarterback. They also had Jack Cohn transfer out. So you had a thin room, and and it set it up for the future, really rode on that fact that Graham Mertz had to hit and Deacon Hill had to hit. Remember that? Remember that conversation Mm -hmm. we were talking about this, this summer? And right now you have one of those guys, has for the year statistically just absolutely some of the worst stats in in the Big Ten at, at under 60% passing, six interceptions, one touchdown. And then you have another guy who's the true freshman that you're having come in who wasn't even in pads. And, and I didn't even see that until the rewatch. And then I saw that Deacon Hill was there with the towel around his neck. Um, and so – I would hope that you start giving him some reps with the second team. If you know that you aren't going to turn the turn the reins over to Chase Wolf ever or Danny Vandenmove ever, why aren't you giving the other kid as many reps as you can because he's probably your future. And if you really need to go to somebody, see what he's got. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, at, at some point you got to start. I mean, we've seen not to not to throw Jack Dunn back under there, but we've seen that Wisconsin generally doesn't play for the future because there's guys behind him that could probably get out there and, and get some reps. So that part is, is certainly something to watch for. If it continues this, I mean, you can't, you can't keep doing what you just did this past Saturday. So I would love to be a fly on the wall at practice to see how these reps are divvied up. And, and um, you know, because of course, Graham Merch is going to, he's going to get the start against Michigan, but if you continually put out you know these type of numbers, you got to try something else. I mean, you're a division one football program that's trying to win games that you're used to, uh, you used to win in, you know, 10 games a season. Right now they're they're nowhere close to that with where the quarterback play is at. So um, this situation, I think, I think stuck is, is the best way to put it. You've, you've either got to, you know, you ride with Graham Mertz and hope it turns around or it's, it's really just going to continue to, you know, things are just going to keep going down with that ship. And, and then maybe you look to a guy like Deacon Hill. I mean, I can't believe that that's the conversation we're having, but it's gotten to that point where it's like, okay, you're not going to turn to two of the older guys. That's the only other guy you're going to throw out there. So uh, who knows? It's just uh, it, it's a sticky situation, and nobody expected that to happen. I think Deacon Hill, if he would have known that if he or, you know, enrolled early, that all of a sudden we'd be talking about him as a second you know, quarterback pushing for, for reps um, you know, in, in late September, maybe he would have gotten to campus a little bit sooner. But, yeah, it's just uh, I think that part is a really underlying mess that um, you know people have to – certainly take notice of because I think that's a big portion that they just don't 
I don't think this this offensive coaching staff feels comfortable with with the options that they've got, and that just means you know ride it out or 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 just watch the ship continually sink. And and I'm not really sure where it's going to go from here. Yeah, because but I, I seriously do think that that that's why we're seeing the play mm-hmm. calling the way it is 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 because of um, how limited they feel um, they are at quarterback. Uh, we've got – there's miscommunication with running backs. There's all sorts of different stuff going on. Um, and and I, I just – every single thing kind of points one direction, and, and that's really crummy at this point. And it, and it feels bad to, to bring it back to that to one player. But at some point, it, it's – the reality has to set in. But I do think that – Wisconsin did a couple creative things. They brought in the shuffle pass. They did some stuff, but I still want to see more. Like you've got to just you've got to have more in the playbook than what we're seeing. And and if it truly is that that you just don't have a quarterback who can you know use the whole playbook, then then you're absolutely screwed. Like and nothing's going to change, and you're going to need to bring in multiple quarterbacks this this year. But unfortunately, that's not happening until after the year. You're not going to randomly get somebody. Um, I seriously, I'm, and this is embarrassing to say, I Googled um, in the third quarter, I Googled Keller Chris' age to see if he still had a year of eligibility because of the COVID waiver. <laughs> and he's a grad assistant That's trying like to pull the, his Zeb Nolan yeah. with South Carolina. So I was like, wait, wait, they've got a grad assistant who was a quarterback. And, and I'm telling you now, Keller Chris not, doesn't, doesn't have a year of eligibility left. He, he finished playing in 2018. but nor did he have great stats either um, in his college career. But I seriously just looked at it and was like, well, maybe he's got it. <laughs> um, uh, but for right now, it's just it's, – it's not looking good for the offense. Um, and for me, I had a question for you. Do you think they need to make changes on the offense this offseason? Like, I already say they're going to need to do something with quarterback no matter what. Like, unless Graham Mertz makes a full 180, which he could you know, I'm not completely selling them that it's impossible because there is some talent there. But do you think they need to make changes in the coaching staff on the offense? I mean, I I think so. I know in, I, in our <laughs> – I went nuclear in our Slack chat at about that fourth quarter where I said, you know, you can't risk losing Jim Leonard, so make him the head coach and have him – you know, bring in somebody. Yeah, that was like straight to the moon overreaction. And <laughs> that I, was dark side. <laughs> dark side. But I mean, I think because I, I mean, I don't know. I think Wisconsin right now is at a spot where they, if they're not going to have that creativity on offense with this pro style offense, you've got to figure out something. So I don't know if it's just, you know, a, a, a dedicated quarterback coach, something. But yeah, I would think something needs to change in terms of the coaching staff because. Right now, unless it takes a massive, massive heel turn, um, I, I don't think you can go into next season feeling comfortable with where you're at um, in, in terms of quarterback play. Whether it's just, you know, working through, you know, maybe, you know, Paul Chris, if he's still calling the plays and managing, you know, that side of it, great. But just working with the quarterbacks on their mechanics and, and their reads and their progressions, because right now you're not seeing. I mean, like you said, Graham Mertz is is a one-read quarterback. If it's not there, he's just kind of a sitting duck and, and just waiting for someone to, you know, take him over and, and get sacked, and that can't happen. You've got to have some progressions there. So I don't know what tor- sort of reshuffling. You know, it's kind of hard because you've got a limited number of, of position coaches, and, and you can only have so many. And right now 
it does make a lot of sense to have, you know, a guy that is, was a quarterback, worked, you know, played quarterback, knows that position really well, just taking that position under his wing. But so far in the very limited sample size that we've seen, it hasn't gotten better. So I think there might have to be some sort of reshuffling how they do it in terms of balancing it out with the number of positions open um, will certainly be something to pay attention to. But, yeah, I think right now the quarterback play has is just – I mean, last year was bad, but this so far has – is I think almost progressively gotten much worse. I mean, last year was really ugly, but there was other situations involved. Right now it just seems like the quarterback play has continually went downhill, and, and you can't have that going into next year because, you're like I said, you're, you're a program that's used to winning, you know, 10, you know, double, 9, 10 games a year, and, and you've got to have a quarterback that can, can rattle it off and, and, and win some games for you, and so far we're just not seeing that. But um, what do you think about that? Because I think – reshuffling some sort of change is likely going to have to happen. Yeah, I mean, if they get to the end of the year and they're still mm-hmm. in the the bottom 10%, I'm, I think they're honestly in the bottom like 5% of all offenses right now in terms of scoring offense, you've got to make some sort of change. Um, and, and, and maybe this is the reason that you saw a guy like Bud Meyer leave, right? Like he mm-hmm. might have saw the writing on the wall in, in terms of what was going on. And he has struggled at Colorado State so far. Uh, but, but man, I, I do think that there might be a, a shift that needs to happen at the year uh, if things continue. Because, like you mentioned, it's it's one thing when you're missing uh, some of your top talent, you're missing you know half your roster and and whatnot. But it's a diff, totally different thing when you've got an offensive line who's struggling, you've got a quarterback who who's who's coming over to your sideline to get plays, and then and struggling to get things side, lined up, and and is struggling with some of the different plays. And then you've got um, different just miscommunications everywhere. So I think right now it's just a mess, and there's a lot of different things that need to happen. But I do think that if this trend continues, you, you're going to look to a change somewhere. And and I don't know who is is gone, but I would imagine that there's going to be some tough conversations at the end of the year if if, if the trend continues. And there's a, there's a lot of games left. Wisconsin still has the opportunity to win the Big Ten West, right? Like. Hypothetically, they could. They have mm-hmm. one loss in conference. They have one loss over, or uh, two losses overall, but only one of them is in conference. Both of them top 15 teams right now. So the earth, you know, earth's still spinning, but it's, but I still have a hard time unless things dramatically change here very quickly um, and across the offense, have a hard time seeing them not making some changes on the offense, um, you know, co- offensive coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I think that the part for me, I wouldn't be so, I guess, um, sky is falling dramatic about some of this stuff, but the the part that really irked me uh, about the performance is this is out of a bye week. I mean, you use that bye week to do what? <laughs> Self-scout. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just like, it's just that part was like, oh my gosh, you know, now they've got a row of games to, to go. You've got no week to... I mean, implement, and that was what was, you were, I was expecting to come out and be a lot more crisp, a lot more clean, and that hasn't. So that part to me is like, oh, man, this team looks like it's really up against the wall and up against some challenges with, with not a lot of breathing room. Because I think we're, we're spending, you know, in Paul Chris' media pressure today on Monday, most of the, I think it was about 20 minutes, I'd say 18 of the 20 minutes, we're still talking about Notre Dame. You've got Michigan, who's playing a, some really good football, coming into to Camp Randall this past this upcoming Saturday, and things are going to have to get corrected quick because if you don't, I mean, the defense I think will be good, and 
and hold up their end of the bargain. But if you play anywhere remotely close to that on offense, that's going to get you beat. And then all of a sudden you're going to have weeks after weeks after this. So it's going to have to, you know, they can still win the Big Ten West and they, that stuff is all in front of them if they want to, but it's going to have to change. It's going to have to change real quick because all of a sudden you've, you've got, um, you know, a row of games starting with a, a top 25 Michigan team um, coming up on you quick. Yeah, and I, I really hope that this loss, like that first game, you give them somewhat of a pass mm-hmm. because you were like, hey, there was miscommunication. Everything that could go wrong fell apart on you. This past game, to have multiple players talk about how embarrassed they were at the end of the game, um, you had Colin Wilder apologizing to, for him, to former <laughs> players. You've got former players tweeting about how, how bad things have gotten, like, like, Vince Beagle, did you see that top mm-hmm. rope tweet? Just like, yeah, Mertz ain't it. Like, I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, that's a, that's a statement from a guy who's in the NFL to, to make. And those guys watch. And Wisconsin holds themselves to a, a standard. And I think you've got to look right now, and, and, and this team needs to look very hard in the eye and try to figure out what's their identity. What are they going to do well? other than defense, because this defense is scary good, and they are good enough to keep them in every single game. This, they were winning. They were winning this game 13-10. to 10. They, ha- they were tied with the ball inside the 20 <laughs> going, going into the fourth quarter, and they lost by 28. Like, that just is embarrassing. So things have got to change, and they've, it, it all comes down to executing. And – Part of that's on coaching staff. Part of it's on the players. But overall, it's it's got to be a team effort, and they've got to pick each other up and make plays because right now they're just not. And you're seeing them fumble in the fourth quarter and struggle there. I, I mean, you look at it, the fourth quarter, I, w- I was just trying to look at that. And in general, in, the four- in terms of the fourth quarter, they've lost nine games since 2019. All right, so they lost Illinois two times to Ohio State, right? Like, we can go through all the different games. They've been outscored 88-9 to nine in the fourth quarter of those games that they've lost. Yeah, that, right? is, that's the, that tweet was a, an eye-opening one because, you know, it's just – it's crazy that how many, how many collapses that this unit is, or this team has had in, in, in those big moments. So, yeah, that one was, was an eye-opening one that I was like, holy crap, good – Good stats deep dive on that one because that I think uh, anyone who saw that certainly opened their eyes and went, man, this is that's just that that's that unacceptable uh, on so many di- in so many different ways. Yep, and it's it's just it's offense like you can't nine games and you scored nine points in fourth quarter like that's a recipe for disaster. So they they need to get better in the biggest moments. We saw it against Penn State. They had the, every chance in the world to beat Penn State. Penn State did their best to let the Badgers win that game. Mm-hmm. They really did. Like, Wisconsin had every chance in that fourth quarter and continued to not do it because of the offense. In this game, Wisconsin had the lead in the fourth quarter. It wasn't very long, but they had the lead for in the fourth quarter of that game. And it just needs to be better on offense. And it, it goes to the offensive line. It goes to Graham Mertz. It goes to the play calling. This team needs to be better, and they got to do it quickly if they want to have any shot at um, really turning this season around. Um, we talked about after that Penn State game 
um, how much that changed our perspective. Remember that? Like we were mm-hmm. talking about that. And I said, you know, it doesn't change what I think this team could do, but it sure as hell changes what I think the floor could be. And the floor dropped out a little bit more for me. You know, I thought this was after that first game, I, I thought, uh, oh, maybe, you know, the floor is like seven, eight wins. Well, the floor dropped down to under 500 if, if this team can't get anything going on the offensive end, which would be just absolutely crazy when you consider how good this defense has been. Yeah, it would just be um, a complete waste of a, a dominating unit. But that's that's kind of where you're at. That's kind of what you're looking in the face right now is that you've got this defense just being completely completely wasted on 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 play where all of a sudden, you know, that – that this defense could be a a six and six team with um, you know a, a, a dominating um, rush defense you know aside from Georgia you know one of the probably the top two in the nation I mean they're so good and that's what we should be really focusing on talking about is just a dominate defensive performance week in and week out but they're still unfortunately on the losing end and uh, they they don't get the attention they're getting the credit I think but just certainly um, it's not the main storyline which has got to be frustrating for all the parties involved. But yeah, things will certainly have to uh, to clean up quick here. Um, all right. Well, we are at – we've been going an hour or so. It's, a, it's been a nice venting session. It's been cathartic. Anything else you want to hit on before we uh, just round this, um, this venting session out? I was glad over the weekend that Michael Finley got his, is going to have his jersey retired at the Kohl Center. I think that was much needed for a long time here. The fact that Frank Kamitz got it before the Finley was silly to me, but I'm glad that he's getting it. So that's one other positive note in best in basketball news. <laughs> there you go. End it on a positive note because we started positive. We had some some dark moments in the middle, and um, and uh, we ended on a positive note, which is good. I was. Um, I was going to ask you the best big <laughs> in their Slack channel earlier. We we I threw out the question of best quarterback in the Big Ten West, and that that thought got really dark when you consider all the guys there. So maybe we'll save that for another one and end it on uh, on a positive note that way. But um, hopefully you guys all enjoyed listening to this hour vent session. I know it was not you know, it certainly wasn't as organized as we normally are, but um, it's just. In a game like that, when you've got a lot to get off your chest and a lot to discuss and a lot to talk about, I think it, it's good to just shoot from the hip and talk about what we need to talk about and then go from there. So we'll be back with you guys. We'll put this one behind us and hopefully purge it from the system until at least next uh, Monday, Tuesday, when we're talking about this Michigan recap. But before that, we'll have our normal Michigan preview um, for you guys later in the week because, like I said, this uh, – this next contest is coming up fast. The top 25 team coming into Camp Randall. So should be a fun one. I'm hoping and praying that at least it can turn it out a little bit. I'm not going to hold my breath, but we'll at least hopefully get to watch this defense perform at uh, a top level, and we'll see what they can make happen. So um, as always, guys, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin. <laughs> Thank you.